Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God gave them something money could not buy. So it was nothing for them to take a portion of all that they just received and say, God, we're going to offer this to you in gratitude. So too with us, God has afforded you and me something money could not buy. Money couldn't buy your forgiveness and your salvation. Amen? Not enough, there's not enough money in the world to wash away our sins. And so what God has afforded me and you is something money could never buy. Have you ever made your way to the checkout line at the store and forgotten your bank card? What a sinking feeling, right? You had no way to pay. What about in case of your sin? How are you going to pay for all the sins you have committed against God? Pastor Bill shares that because of Christ, your sin debt was paid in full. This is a free gift that all you have to do is accept. So unlike forgetting your bank card, you now have unlimited funds available just by asking and receiving. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 31 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. In the natural, God was saying, you're going to clean that junk up because we know today that, you know, through body biology and stuff, diseases can carry if you've been around dead folks and touching blood and everything else, we know that, you know, that can be, you can pass on some disease real good. If you go to the hospital today, everybody's got gloves on. I, I, I Now I see barbers. They got black gloves on. They, you know, they, they don't want to get none of your biology on them at all. And so we're very aware today of some of the things that can be transmitted just through touch and stuff like that. Everybody's got hand sanitizers, um, body fluid. What'd I say? Did I say something other than body fluid? What did I say? Bi- okay, anyway, biology. Okay, I said, oh yeah, so body fluids. But um, we're aware of that now better than maybe, I think, in times past. But it's interesting how God and his wisdom, how far above the curve he had put his people, if they would just do it his way. He said, after you guys come back, before y'all go back into the camp and contaminate everybody else, stay out here, Go through the ceremonial cleansing. There's a physical purpose for it. And it's also symbolic of uh, something even significant in the spiritual life. So if it's metal, so, you know, gold, silver, bronze, all those things, they're going to go through the fire and be purified through the fire. If it's something else, it's going to go through the water. And just in the way of an analogy, we're also New Testament saints. We we get purified in, in two ways. There is a purification that comes through trials of fire. Anybody here that's been through a trial, uh, it can have a purifying effect on your life. If you're going through a, a severe trial and you're, this, this is what I've experienced. Maybe I'm different, but I'm pretty sure other people are the same. As you go through a trial and you know that you need God really bad. We always know we need God, but when you're going through a trial, you know, man, I need, I need, I need the Lord. You, you look at how how it purifies your life. Look at how it cleans you up. Look at, look at how you, you think different, you behave different. Um, it has a purifying effect on our lives. Sometimes trials will, they'll bring to the surface stuff that we didn't know was still hiding underneath. Uh, it, it'll reveal junk that's there, trials will. Sometimes trials will reveal our growth. 
Uh, you'll go through something. You said, man, there was a time where if that would have happened to me. I would have acted like this. But now this go around. I was, whoo, man, God, God <laughs> you'd be, you be shocked by yourself sometimes at, at the work God has done as the trial reveals that you're not who you used to be. And it reveals um, trials of fire. But we also, in the New Testament, the analogy of the, the washing of the water by the word. The word is, is something that washes and purifies and cleanses us. And in Ephesians 5, as it talks about the husband's ministry to his wife, says that he's a washer with the water of the word. And, and Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to my word? And so the word of God has a cleansing effect on the life of the believer. So... If you're filthy, if you're dirty, if you're needing cleansing, you want to go to the word. If you're enduring a trial, if you're going through some, some fiery trial, or you're being tested in some areas of your life, you want to endure and you want to come through the fire. You want to be able to come through the other side. You want the, you want the trial to prove you to the Lord because sometimes the same trial God is using, desiring to use to prove you, Satan wants to use the same scenario to destroy you. Same trial. And God's intention is to prove you. Satan's intention is to destroy you. Um, my example for that would be Job. God and Satan have the conversation in the unseen realm. God tells Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him on the earth, an upright man, blameless, fears God, shuns evil. I mean, God is bragging on Job. And Satan says, oh, yeah, he don't love you for nothing. He only loves you because you blessed him. Let me touch his stuff because you gave him so much stuff. He'll curse you to your face. And so God said, OK, you can touch his stuff, but you can't touch him. And Satan took all of his stuff in a day, killed all his kids. I mean, wrecked havoc on his life. But, but Job didn't, he didn't curse God. And so God says, Satan, what's up? What, what happened? Satan says, all skin for skin. All that a man has a gift for his skin. Let me touch him and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, you could touch him, but you can't take his life. And Satan struck Job with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And it said, Job sat there in a pot, a thing of ashes. And his wife even came over and said, to Job, do you still hold fast your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Satan had got a hold of her mouth for that moment. And Job rebuked his wife. He told her, you speak like one of the foolish women. How can we take good from God and not accept adversity? And then Job said these words. He said, the Lord is given. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says in all that, Job didn't sin or charge God wrongly with his statements, with his words. And here's the deal. Job goes through this enormous trial. At the end of the trial, God restores everything to Job, extends his life, blesses him with kids and grandkids. And then in James, when it talks about it, it says that God intended to bless Job in the end. God's intention was to prove Job, to prove him, but also to bless him later. Satan wanted to destroy him through that same trial. Are you going through a trial? And you just need to know that the same trial that Satan might be using to, I want to just destroy you with it. God is saying, let me prove you. Let me prove you faithful. Let me prove that you love me. Let me let this trial be the trial that proves you, not the one that just destroys you. But we determine what the trial does. So we got to we got to stand through our trials and and be faithful to the Lord in the midst of them. So um, so back here, there are things that are going to be washed in the 
purified through the fire, purified through the water. Either way, there was a purification process that had to be observed. Now, in verses 25 all the way to 54, there's going to be a division of the spoils. I'm going to um, I'm going to tell us real quick what happens in the division, and then we'll go through uh, it in some chunks. So after you go to war, all the spoils are that's your victory. And you guys, we, we've talked about this before. You know, if you go to you take a city, you beat the city, you win the war. Everything that was in that city becomes yours. All the animals, all the camels. For us, it would be cars and houses and material things. We would just be walking through. Imagine walking through a city. Everybody that was there last month has been killed. And they're saying everything that you guys can get your hands on is yours. Um, and I just, I just, I want us to think about the celebratory sort of way that that would be. Is you could just walk through taking stuff. Um, for you guys who know what, you guys, everybody know what the 105 freeway is? Right down the street? Okay. So I grew up right near Crenshaw. I was on Crenshaw on 116th Street. So there was a street called 119th Street that it, it was taken out by the 105, but that was right down the street. That's where we would ride our bikes and stuff. When they started building a 10, the 105 freeway, I was a kid, and they took, the city took, a, it bought people out of a whole bunch of houses, and it did it kind of rapidly. So there was a month where there were all these homes and people had been bought out, and they just left. And if you could imagine a bunch of, you know, 11, 12-year-old kids in the summer roaming. We were roaming through houses. I remember I had reptiles back then. I went through one garage and had a big old fish tank that was good. I remember sitting on my skateboard and rolling it back home and putting it in my house and then going back. And we weren't stealing. They had left these things behind. These homes were vacant. And we're just going through garages and seeing what we could get into and what we could get. It was like Christmas for kids. We were rummaging through these people's stuff and that's the closest thing I can think of to what it would have been back here to, to be going through the city and just everything you see, you could just take it and just taking spoils. And so with the spoils now, God says, now, what do you do when you've been blessed? What do you do with it? And I want you to think about it. If you just got some blessing materially, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have way more, which you used to have all of a sudden. What's your first thought? What you want to do? I mean, you, so you just came into some money. What's your first thought? Oh, I'm gonna get me a car. I'm gonna get me. What's your first thought about what you would want to do with what you got? And I want you to consider that as we look at what happens to them and what God has them do with what they got. There'll be a division of the spoils. Everybody's gonna get some. Something you'll notice as we go through it. Those who went out to the war um, got something and those who didn't go got something. So let me ask this. Should those who didn't go to the war, should they get something? And if so, should they get the same thing? Should the people that didn't go out to the war, should they get something? And should it be equal with what those who went out to the war got? So here it is. This, I, I want to point this out because I think it's, it's kind of cool. There really isn't a difference, right? There are those that were of age to go out. There are people that couldn't go out to the war. They were the wrong age. They were the wrong gender. So there were those that God had said, these are those that go to war, a thousand from each tribe, they go. And everybody, there might have been other people that were like, I would have went, but no, you didn't get the pick to go, they went. So you stayed back with the stuff. You stayed back, hold down the fort. Um, you stayed back, mom taking care of the kids. God says at the end of the day, we, we win together. Those that stay back are just as valuable as those that go out. Everybody wins. Everybody gets the same thing, there's no difference. Those that went out don't get more. They don't get a bigger portion than those that stayed back. Everybody gets the same thing. And 
that's a concept in, in our culture that is, is sometimes lost. I hate to hear where a man works and it's blessed to have a wife stay home with the kids and she's there ministering to the kids. And I've heard of this where there are guys that feel like, well, I work, I made the money. So they give her a little allowance. Dole like she wanted a kid. I, you get that much. That's that. And well, I worked. So I could do whatever I want. You get, you get that much. I'm saying that's not right. Right? She affords you the opportunity to work by staying home with them babies that y'all made. So y'all are in this together. I mean, I, that's, that's what I believe. That's how it should be. I don't think it should be. I don't think she should be treated different because she enabled within the church of church of God. We win together. Everybody's got different roles. Everybody does something different. And some may go out to do this and others may hold it down in prayer. And some may give to support it and others may be a part of it in this other way. But we all together, the victories are ours. And so as they go out, everybody's going to get uh, everybody's going to celebrate the spoils together. And this is what we'll see. The, as it portioned off, there's a portion given to the priest, a portion given to the Levites. And both of those portions are, they're going to use it. The priests and the Levites are, they live off of what gets brought in. And so there's a portion given to both of them um, for the work in the temple, but also for their own sustenance. Um, there's a portion went out to those that fought, a portion went out to those who stayed back with the stuff. And when it all was done, there was a portion given to the Lord to thank him. Because we'll see at the end of the chapter that not one of their lives was lost in the battle. So as they went out to war and they took out the whole Midianites, they didn't lose one person. And so in gratitude for the salvation of life, they, they offered up something to the Lord. And so I'm going to take a few chunks. Um, when I, I'm not going to read through the whole thing because I think some of y'all would, y'all, I would lose y'all. Y'all would just die in the numbers. This is what it's going to sound like. It's going to sound like they went out to war and there was 70,000 sheep and 2,000, camels and 50, and they went to this people. And so I'm going to give you some chunks. If you're really interested in the numbers of animals and they're specific, you can go back and read it for yourself and do the math. God bless you. But um, start at verse 25 with me. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, count up the plunder that was taken of man and beast, you and Eleazar the priest and the chief fathers of the congregation and divide the plunder into two parts between those who took part in the war, who went out to battle and all the congregation. So like I told you guys a little bit ago, it's going to be split in half between those who went out and those who stayed back, all the congregation, everybody celebrating together. And I think that was important. So nobody was going to be bummed out, right? Those that stayed back were going to be like, oh, man, we didn't get blessed. Everybody's going to be blessed together. And I think that's the way the Lord would have it to be. Verse 28. And levy a tribute for the Lord of the men of war who went out to battle. One of every 500 of the persons, the cattle, the donkeys, and the sheep, take it from their half and give it to Eliezer the priest as a heave offering to the Lord. So for the Levites and those that were serving in the temple, uh, in the temple, God said, hey, one of every 500 of the camels and the donkeys and the animals, take it and give it to them. And so it, it doesn't sound like a lot when it's one of every 500. But when you look at the number of thousands that they got, I mean, they came up, um, then it ends up being substantial, which given over in, in that way. Then in verse 31, it says, so Moses and Eliezer, the priest, did as the Lord commanded Moses. So they gave to them for the, the work in the tabernacle. They were given, you know, one of every 500 of these different animals. Verse 32, the booty remaining from the plunder, which the men of war had taken, was 
And I'm going to stop. I'll read the first one so you can just get a feel for it. It says, <laughs> it was, um, there were 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, 32,000 persons of all the women. And, and so it goes on and on like that of all the, the number of things that, that they possessed. Um, verse 41, skip down there. So Moses gave the tribute, which was the Lord's heave offering to Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. So Eleazar was given one of every 500 was to be a heave offering to something heaved and given over to the Lord. They were going to cook it. It was a celebratory sort of offering, just saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for this great victory. Thank you for going before us. Thank you that, and, and again, at the very end, we'll see they're thankful that not a, not a life was lost among them. And in verse 42, it says, and from the children of Israel's half, uh, which Moses separated from the men who fought. So the men who fought got their half. Those that stayed back from their half, now, now the half belonging to the congregation, verse 43, uh, now it goes on the list, their half. It was 300,000, the exact same number in half of what we read before. So they all got their half and they give a part to the Levites of their half. Verse 48, the officers who were over the thousands of the army, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, they came near to Moses and they said to Moses, your servants have taken count of the men of war who are under our command and not one man, not a man of us is missing. So when they got back, they didn't even realize it yet, but they got back and they, they're doing their roll count and the captains over thousands and hundreds and everything else, they come back and say, Moses, not one life was lost. I mean, I mean, I, and I want you to understand what a miracle that was. When you go out to war, people fight back. So for them to have destroyed everybody and not one life was lost, that was miraculous and amazing. That was the hand of God going before them in this battle. And so as a result or in gratitude, look at what verse 50 says, therefore we have brought an offering for the Lord. And I want you to notice that this offering wasn't required. It wasn't something they were told to do. They came and said, we just did a count and we didn't lose not one life. Therefore, as a result of that, this is what we did. Um, it says, we brought an offering to the Lord. What every man found, as they went scurrying through the area, it says, what every man found of ornaments of gold, armlets, bracelets, signet rings, earrings, necklaces, to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. From the captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, and 16,750 shekels, the men of war had taken, taken spoil every man for himself. And Moses and Eliezer the priests received the gold from the captains of the thousands, the hundreds, and, the, and they brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. So they brought a, what would have been considered a free will offering, a portion of all the all the gold that they collected, all the precious metals, and they said, we're going to give all this to the Lord. Now it was of great value. This is, this is stuff they could have kept back for themselves. They could have said, man, we got all this gold and precious metals, some of the most expensive stuff we got. But I want you to know that they free will brought their best and said, God, we're going to give this to you. We could be dead. And here goes the, the lesson in that. Right? God gave them something money could not buy. So it was nothing for them to take a portion of all that they just received and say, God, we're going to offer this to you in gratitude. So too with us, God has afforded you and me something money could not buy. Money couldn't buy your forgiveness and your salvation. Amen? Not enough, there's not enough money in the world to wash away our sins. 
And so what God has afforded me and you is something money could never buy. So whenever there is an opportunity to give to the Lord in whatever way, be it of resources, be it of ourselves, be it of our service or whatever, what have you, it should be nothing for us to say, Lord, I, I freely, I'm, I'm so glad to be able to offer this to you. And, and so they did this out of free will. They, they had already been required to give up so many things. And here, on top of that, they said, man, we're so thankful. We're going to offer this to the Lord as well. So what we want to take from that is this, you guys. None of us want to have a, a stingy heart with the Lord. And there's some people that feel like after all God has done, you know, they're like, I don't want to give up this time for the Lord. I want some me time. You wouldn't have no time if it wasn't for the Lord. You know, you, you know but there are people that they get real selfish with everything. Their stuff. It's, I worked hard for this. He enabled you to work. It's me time. No, he gave you all the time that you got. You better give some of that time to the Lord. I hate to hear somebody tell me that they're, I really want to, I, I, I'm not really having much time. I don't have time for devotions. What? I, I, mean, I, as a, I mean, I'm a pastor, so I don't hit folks, but I've given people a look that said if, if I could smack people, when I hear somebody tell me that they didn't have time, I could. My mind, I just, I feel like in the spirit, I might could smack them and God be okay with it, but I, but I have never done it. And this is why, right? Every day we all get how many hours? 24. We do with them 24 hours what we please. Somebody would say, no, I have to go to work. No, you go to work. Because you need money, you want money, and that's how you get money. And so you make sure you get yourself into work because you, that's, that's important to you. Throughout the course of a day, we make time for everything that we value. If you ain't making time for the Lord, it's because you're not valuing the Lord like you need to. He's more important than anything else going on in any of our lives. And I, it'll never be, I will never be able to say, I was so busy, Lord, I didn't have time for you because there's 20 things that could have not got done before I could tell God I didn't have time you make some time to be with the Lord amen so be it our time be it our resources or whatever you would have we, we never want to be telling God what we don't have for him when everything we have is because of him amen and so uh, as we wrap up this chapter one if when it comes to our enemies we don't want to we don't want to keep them around to stumble and fall again. We're going to wipe them out completely. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to let there be any remnant left behind. When it comes to the judgment of God, we can be thankful that rather than His judgment coming upon us, His judgment has been poured out in full strength on Christ on our behalf, that we might be free of guilt, free of shame, free of His punishment. God has done that for us. Um, as they went out to battle, those that go out or just as those that stayed back were just as valuable as those that go out. We're reminded as a body of believers, we celebrate together. Our victories are together. When you win, I win. When I win, you win. We win together. There's no more important parts of the body. Uh, we're all important. They're all necessary. The most important thing about every every gathering of body of believers is the the head of this body, which is Christ. Um, and so we, we celebrate our victories together. And uh, lastly, as they went through the spoils, the booty, if you will, uh, and it was all split up and divided, uh, they were all glad to give back to the Lord and to give to one another and to give to the work of the Lord out of all that God had blessed them with. May we also be reminded that everything we have comes from the Lord 
and that we would be we would be benevolent about giving to the Lord, giving to the work of the Lord, giving to one another and all the ways that it's called for financially, physically, so forth and so on, that we would we would we would be it would be out of our gratitude for what he's done for us that we freely give to him. Amen. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.